All right, so let's check out today what we're talking about, the thrill of hope from Christmas. So let's go to our next slide as we begin. From Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible tells us that faith is the assurance of things. What do I have underlined there? Would you guys say it out loud with me, please? Hope for. There is something about faith and hope that go together. You've heard that very, very famous passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, what is called the love chapter. Now, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You've heard that. So faith and hope go hand in hand. And we know this. This is important for us to not lose sight of. But here's what we understand, that as we have hope, it builds our faith and it encourages us as we live our life. And this is for the reason that people of old received their commendation, specifically their commendation from God. God was pleased with them as they had hope for His plan to be accomplished, not only in their own lives, but in the world. So as we keep moving, we need to understand that hope is not something that we no longer have or no longer are a part of our lives. Let's go to our next slide as we do. I'm just going to talk today about the wise men. And I did a deep dive on the wise men for a couple of uh, Wednesday nights, maybe three, last year. You can go on our Backstage Eagle and go back and check that out if you'd like from that channel. It is very interesting. Also goes into why Jesus was not born in 0 B.C. or 0 A.D. He was actually born on a different day. And you can go do your homework and your research by looking at the wise men that we did last year in our Bible studies. But as we keep moving here, let's go to our next slide. And there is some, uh, something to learn. The wise men, also known as magi, from where we get our word magicians, came from the east, according to Matthew, most likely from Babylon. And that means that their journey was likely about two to three months long. And they were wealthy. They were educated men. And travel was dangerous in those times, just like the parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us. And so, as we look at what they did to be a part of the Christmas story, they went way out of their way to do the things that it took to make this kind of journey. Now, let's slow down for just a quick second. You don't get to email and say, hey, is it cool if I show up on this date whenever you're living in the ancient world? You can't pick up a phone and make a phone call. You can't do any of that stuff. You can't send something through the mail. You show up, and that's how they know you're coming, right? And so as we look at these wise men, they made an effort that they had no possible assurance that was going to end well. You guys understand what I'm saying? They had to make the effort to see if it was going to end the way that they had hoped it would. You see what I'm saying? Their hope was motivating them to do those things that made their life richer and better. So again, I take a deep breath and I ask you, what role does hope play in your life? Because here is the truth. If you're a person who honestly has talked about hope or has mentioned hope, but you know that you don't actually have a whole lot of hope, I'm here to encourage you that ultimately Christ came to give us that thrill of hope so that we would not be going through life in this drudgery and in this manner of just like, oh, it's another day and 
oh, I guess I'm going to have to make it until I can't wait until I get back in bed. Well, if you're over 50, you understand that you can't wait to get back in bed for another reason, right? But ultimately, there are people who go through life and they never experience hope for very long, or if they do, it goes apart from them very quickly. And so these magi were not like that. They show up in the Christmas story. They're famous and well-known in all kinds of circles, not because of just simply them being wealthy or well-educated, but because they acted upon their hope. And in doing so, they became a part of the greatest story ever told. Let's keep moving to our next slide here. And just real quickly, you can see basically near Baghdad is probably about where they began, near ancient Babylon, and made the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was about 12 miles, about one day's journey or so from Bethlehem in the outskirts of Jerusalem. And so you see as they come from that area all the way to see the Christ child, they come and it's a two to three month trip, give or take. A dangerous thing, something that probably accumulated, put, took them and put them out about six months or eight months just simply because they didn't know what they would find and how they would find the Christ child. So it's a big deal, and they undertook that trip for that reason. Let's keep moving our next slide as you see the power of hope. And we've already talked a little bit about this, but this is not just purely a simple um, Christian thing, that we talk about hope and all these things. The truth is, is that psychology today, within the last year, has printed this article that I just could got a quick snapshot of. It is how to cultivate hope. It actually had four things. And I'm going to put them up there so you see that I at least skimmed the article, okay? And you can grab that uh, with a picture on your own camera if you'd like, but it's on our next slide. It talks about all the different ways that we can uh, continue to ignite hope in our lives, set and achieve our goals, stick with positive people. How important is that? Focusing on the present, not just simply on the past or even re really far off in the future, and then be self-reflective and confident. These are all things that are told to us by psychology today. But I'm going to talk a little bit about it more from a Christian perspective and where our hope is actually based, not on things that we conjure up, or the things that we rely on others to do, but on the God that saves us and came to reveal how much we mean to Him. So let's keep moving here as we go on. This is from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born, uh, has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. In other words, he heard this, and he got a little upset, a little worried. Now, if you're the king, and somebody walks in and says, where is the new king born? How many of you know that would be pretty upsetting to you if you're the one sitting on that throne, right? And so ultimately, as Herod is kind of having this conversation and discussing what's going on, this is all happening. He's upset. But why in the world would Jerusalem be upset just like King Herod was? Well, if you know anything about King Herod and who he was and what kind of person he was, it's in our next slide here, our other something to learn. Herod the Great was the king. In other words, he was put there by the Roman Empire. 
And he was there in Jerusalem at the time of the birth of Jesus. And he was an incredibly paranoid and murderous person as a leader. Caesar Augustus once joked that he would rather be Herod's pig, the Greek word hus, more than his son, who else, you know, because of how insane and violent he was. He literally killed a wife and three of his own children because he was that nervous about being replaced as the king. So King Herod was out there, bizarre, crazy and violent, and really probably clinically insane. And so when it says, hey, King Herod was disturbed, we get that. But the reason all of Jerusalem was also disturbed was if that happened for King Herod, guess who paid the biggest consequence? It was the people around, not just simply those in the palace. So as you keep moving here, let's go to our next slide. And this is where we find our big idea, that hope helps us endure knowing that God is always working and working for our good. There is a passage of Scripture that I fall back to so often. It is one that I have had memorized since I was a teenager, and that is from Romans 8.28. And that is, we know all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and those that are called according to His purpose. And so what is that telling us? That means if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, you have an assurance that God is at work in your life and that He will bring about something good out of the difficulties that you face. It's not just the easy things, but it is also the hard things, and all of them matter as God puts together the puzzle pieces of your life and of mine. And sometimes we have these twists and turns that throw us, and we go, well, God, how in the world could you bring anything good out of this terrible situation? But we know that God's Word is true. And how many of you, and this is, this is how we, again, reaffirm together God's Word. How many of you have had the situation where you had something terrible happen, and you just knew there was no way God could redeem it, and then later God figured out a way to redeem it? Can I see your hands? I mean, we've all had that happen, right? How God intervened and brought something terrible to being something wonderful, or at very least, something very good. And so we know that hope helps us endure not because it's good every moment, but because God is good every moment. Now, I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to let you guys get ready with a big amen for me, okay? Because give me a little, uh, little sign that y'all are with me here. We know that not every moment will be good in our lives, but we know one other thing, and we know this, that God will always be working for the good in our lives. Amen? All right, very good. Thank you. So let's say this out loud together on the count of three. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Hope helps us endure knowing God is always working and working for our good. Now, can we say it one more time? And instead of saying our good, can you say my good? Can you say my good? Can you say my good? even where you are today, even with the frustrations that you face, the hurt, the anger, the disappointment that sometimes this season brings. You know, I know this. I know that this is the Christmas season and there are some people who love this season. And there are also some people who dread this season. How many of y'all know that? Because it's hard. 
whether they've had something happen in their past or they've lost a loved one in the last year or two or whatever. And it's just not the same not having this person at this Christmas celebration or whatever it might be. So can you say hope helps me endure knowing God is always working and working for my good? That He is still accomplishing something good in my life no matter what I face and no matter how hard it is. Maybe you can't say it yet, but here's what I do want you to do. If you can say it and mean it later, I'll accept it, okay? Because I think it's good for us to verbalize what we know to be true even when we do not feel it to be true. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, it is true. And there is truth that I don't like and that it's hard for me to accept. But it is important that I understand that truth does not depend on my feelings. Truth is truth. And that is how it always will be. So on the count of three, let's personalize this, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Hope helps me endure knowing God is always working and working for my good. Amen. Let's keep moving. Where do we see Jesus in this passage? We see Jesus as the source of mankind's hope. He changed the people's view of God the Father forever, just as He would change the world forever as well. In other words, God's goodness, God's character, God's love is all personified in Jesus. And I won't go into the long story, but here's what I will say. In the book of Colossians, it says that He is the exact image of the invisible God. He made visible. He incarnated. He put on flesh to show us what God would look like if He walked as a human being among us. This is what the incarnation means. This is what Emmanuel, God with us, means. So, as we see it all, all we have to do to see what God the Father thinks, believes, values, and would do if He could as He walked on this earth. All we got to do is just look at Jesus and say, that's what God the Father would do in this situation. That's how He would feel. That's how He would love. So as we look at Jesus, we see something different than people expected. Now, I'm going to just slow down for a moment. And I don't know exactly what you have thought in your past. And I do not know what is being told to you in your heart by your feelings. But here's what I know. God is not mad at you. How many of you know that there are people that are walking around here in our Sugarland area, Richmond, Texas, here in Houston, Texas? There are a bunch of people who think God is mad at them. And the proof that they have is this is going on in my life. And God is clearly mad at me for something I did back when I whatever. How many of y'all know that to be true? You work with them. You may even live with one of them. You may even be one of them. But the truth is, is that God is not mad at you. God loves you. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect in your life. But it does mean that God will always be there pursuing you in your life for all of your life. He loves you, and He has not given up on you, no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. 
And so this is so important that when you look at Jesus, you are looking at the face of God. And it's not an angry face. It is a face with a smile that says, I love you and I came for you. So important because this is different than what they thought. They thought God was mad at Israel. He'd been quiet for 400 years. I talked about this last week. He'd been quiet and hadn't said a word to them for 400 years. But then when the silence was broken, he didn't break it with a thundercloud. He didn't break it with a hurricane. He didn't break it with some earthquake or earth-shattering thing to show them that he had to get this anger off his chest. It was the baby's cry. And he said, I have sent my son to walk among you, live among you, show you what I feel about you. I love you. I'm not mad at you. If you have allowed yourself to begin to think that God is mad at you, I encourage you, do not buy that lie. Christmas gives us the hope that God, who knows every single thing about us, all that we've ever done, every failure, every embarrassment, every shameful thing that we've ever done or even thought about doing. He knows them all. And He says, I love you enough to die for you. So that's how much He cares. And that's different than most people thought about God until Jesus came. So this is Jesus in that passage. He's the source of our hope. Let's keep moving here. And let's keep going to our next slide. Oh, oh, very good. This is the Nairo Observatory um, in Japan for just a moment. I want to show this to you. This is a YouTube video that you can go and check out and look at this. And I'm going to play that again in just a moment. But you may be thinking, hey, Randy, that's great. That whole God loves me thing, that whole God's not mad at me thing, that's great. But the Christmas story is a fairy tale. I mean, think about this star that they talk about kind of magically appearing in the sky and magically kind of following around where Christ was and then stopping right there and kind of sitting over where Jesus was. It's all just this big fairy tale. We can't really believe that. And it's not something that we can base our hope on. No, I'm here to tell you that God's Word says some incredible things that are usually very easily seen, and sometimes they are supernatural events, but they are also able to be seen in our world today. So here's what I want to do. I want to revisit that theme that you may have thought as you read. That doesn't sound like any star I've ever figured out or I've ever seen. I can't figure out what's going on. Well, if you insert the word comet instead of star because the ancient world had no idea what a comet was, really. It was a star because anything in the heavens was a star. And so if you begin to look at this, I want to read that passage of Scripture, and then I want to replay that video and see what it says. It says, And behold, the star that the wise men had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. That sounds like fairy tale business, right? That sounds like the Disney movie. And uh, the Frozen theme is going to be queued up in just a second, right? I mean, let it go. Yeah, all right. So, no, let that idea go. All right, so here is what it says. The star rose when it went before them, came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, I want you to look at this video again 
and see if you can't see it rise and then stop and sit over a single place. This is time-lapse photography from the Nairo Observatory in 2020, I believe. Now look, instead of it just keep on rising, it just kind of stops and stays right there. Can we play it one more time, if you don't mind? Very interesting to me. Let's check it out one more time, if you don't mind. There it is. You see how it rises? And then it just kind of stops. It doesn't keep going, but it just kind of stops there in that place. Isn't that interesting? There's no fairy tale. These things are observable in our world. Sometimes they're miraculous, and yet they're there and they are real. And so here's what I share with you. It's not crazy to have hope that God might be that crazy about you. It is not crazy to think that God might be crazy about you because he's done everything he could to reveal it and to show it to you. Let's go to our next slide here as we go on. The thrill of hope that's found in Matthew chapter 2. It's the wise men's journey and how God announces his son's birth in the stars. But notice something. We're going to talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. Notice that when God sends an invitation, He does not send it to the wealthy and to those who are the well-educated. He sends it to the shepherds who are on the lowest end of the economic scale. But those who were paying attention and clued in came anyway. They were welcome. But if God only sent out one invitation, it was not to the high and mighty, but it was to the lowly and those who needed to know that just like they were living a life that didn't necessarily show that God loved them did not mean that God did not actually love them. Let's go to our next slide here. I want to share this with you. Our one to remember. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for, what did I underline there? For all the people. Now, if you're in the upper end and if you're the elite and all of that, you probably figure it includes you. But if you're on the lowest end, you might say, well, of course, God came, but he didn't come for people like me. You understand what I'm saying? So we are assured that the joy and good news is for all the people, no matter who they are or what their background is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's go to our next slide as we kind of get closer to the end Here's the rest of the story that you may or may not know. The consecration of Jesus that takes place in Luke chapter 2. This is very important. There are three different levels of sacrifice. There is the upper, there's the middle, and there are the lower incomes. Because when God says, do a sacrifice and give a gift and an offering, He didn't say everybody gives the highest level. He didn't say everybody gives the middle level. He didn't say everybody gives the lowest level. He said... If you are in the lower end, give this. If you're in the middle end, give this. If you're in the upper end, give this as an offering to the Lord. So let's keep talking about that. Let's go to our next slide. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. In other words, when Mary and Joseph came to give that prescribed offering, they gave at the lowest end of the spectrum. So that is a proof positive that God did not send His kid into this world so He could be raised by the best 
and educated by the, the highest and the smartest and the elite. He said, no, 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 I am going to allow them him to be raised by these two wonderful godly people who are maybe at the lowest end of the spectrum economically, but that does not matter to me. They are the people of character that can raise a young man named Jesus of Nazareth. So let's keep moving here as we go to our next slide. <laughs> these are our four last presidents. Our four last presidents. Now, I don't know if any one of them looks like your ideal politician and leader, okay? Maybe one of them does. Maybe none of them do. I don't know. But here's what I want to ask. You can pick one of those or pick another, whatever you choose. I just put them up there to get your mind thinking. But who would you put in there in the, the top or the bottom? Ladies, I know at least some of y'all, or maybe men, you might want a lady rather than a man to lead. That's fair, okay? Uh, but we have this blank there thinking of the ideal person to lead us. And just think for a moment. It is hard for us to grasp what Jesus was doing whenever he came to the lowest end of all of those in society. But when he did, it showed us that he was here for all the people. He didn't come to impress the top. He didn't come to meet everybody in the middle. He didn't come to remain at the bottom. He came to be the man who is the Savior for all mankind and of all the people. So whoever you would put there, here's what I would say. There are probably people that you would X off of that list for whatever reason. But if you would do that, that is fair and that is fine. But here is what we know. Jesus came to eliminate every barrier to reach to every single person that he could so he could be their Messiah no matter who they were or what they believed. So as we keep moving here, let's go to our next slide. The rest of the story is the flight to Egypt. As you read a little further in Matthew chapter 2, they have to leave because they're this close to being killed by Herod, that maniacal crazy man goes after them and he tries to kill Jesus so he does not have access to the throne. They go to Egypt for two years. And just understand, he was the carpenter's son. And back then, you didn't put a Facebook ad out. You didn't put an ad in the newspaper to drum up business. If you changed towns, you were probably living on the scraps of things just to get by for years until you established your business. And by the way, isn't this interesting that just before they are sent away, Mary and Joseph are given three gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, some of the most expensive substances on earth at that time, symbolizing different gifts. But as they're given, Jesus' needs can be met for as long as he needs to be away to continue to be safe and for the scripture to be fulfilled. Now you may be going, Randy, why are you saying that? Why does that matter? Because here is why it matters. I want to go to this next slide. And as you see this next slide, this is so important for us to grasp. God is great because nothing is too big for him and nothing is too small for him either. I, I preached this message series called Lionhearted. This has stuck with me all of this time. It is not about the greatest things and the grandest things. It is not just simply about the holy things. It is about every single day life. When God 
met the needs of Mary and Joseph and Jesus through gifts. He met their everyday need for the next couple of years. Why would He do that? Because God doesn't just care about you having a spiritual life that thrives and everything else goes terribly well, you know, terribly wrong. He wants everything in your life to be guided and led in His, in his path rather than the way that you would have it to go without Him. He cares about everything. So here is what you need to know. When Jesus shows up, He doesn't say, I don't care about any of those things like feeding people. No, He fed the 5,000. He doesn't say, I care only about these spiritual things, but I don't care about healing people who have no shot, no doctor to go and see. He healed people. You see what I'm saying? It was the everyday stuff, sometimes small, sometimes great. But nothing was too big for Jesus, and there was also nothing too small for Him to just disregard and say, I'm not interested because that's not important. So why can you have hope? No matter how big it is or how small it is, He cares about you. All right, let's keep going to our last few slides here. What else do we see? Don't miss this. God isn't a God who cares only about spiritual stuff. No worries for the everyday people and everyday problems that they have. He cares and He moves. And because of that, we have the thrill of hope. We have hope that my life can be changed because God has sent His Son so that I might have life and have it to the fullest. Okay, so let's keep on moving here. and We're coming very close to the end. The second part of the thrill of hope is His birth in Bethlehem, not in Jerusalem. He's not here to be the King. He's here to be the Savior. He eventually will come again, and He will be coming as King that time. But for now, He has come as your Savior and mine. He is the Savior of the world, and He goes in humbleness to you and reaches out to you and says, Hey, your decision. Will you come to me and be involved? Let's go to our next slide here. And this is how we apply this message. Tell your hope to someone out loud this week. Here's why I say this with you. Tell your hope to someone out loud this week. It's going to encourage you and it will be a testimony. And you're like, but Randy, what if I tell them my hope and it doesn't work out like I think it will? Or like I've been praying for it to. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you only want to hear the stories that have the, the flowery, perfect endings, or do you want to hear real life? I mean, be honest. Because the truth is, is that there are people that want to know from you as a Christian. All right, great. You had a prayer answered. Fantastic. Congratulations. This is good. I want to hear that that is possible. But I also want to know what happens when your prayer doesn't get answered the way that you hope it will. What do you do then? Is God still God when that happens? Because they want to know, because guess what? Just like you and just like me, there have been times where I didn't get the prayer answered the way that I wanted it to be. And they want to know, does God still reign in your heart even when it doesn't come out perfectly? And then here's what I would say. Yeah, it's perfect for us. We've got the white envelopes. But don't just wait for the white envelopes. Be a source of hope to someone this week. 
You know, we talked about that Psychology Today article, and it said one of the things that you should do is be around positive people to have that hope rising up within you. Now, I don't know who you are, and I don't know your circle, but I would guess there's at least one or two people in your circle of influence that needs someone to come by, put an arm around them, and say, I love you. I hope you're having a good time, even in a difficult time in these holiday times that we're facing. Because the truth is, is there are people that are hurting in this time of year that could use some encouragement from God's people. So be a source of hope to someone this week and be a person who shares your testimony out loud this week. And it will change your hope and it will grow the hope inside of you. Heavenly Father, as we end, we talk all the time about how we are called not only to be a blessing, but we are also called to receive them. There are times in our life, Lord, where we we need to be the recipient. But Lord, far too often we are ready to receive and not looking to be one who gives. And so I pray that our world would be put in a different direction, that we would refocus ourselves and once again be people who say, it is not about me, it is about God and what He's doing. It is about the things that He's trying to accomplish. Lord, make me a blessing. If I have not received one, make me a blessing first. And in the midst of it all, Lord, we have our hope because of what you have done, who you have been. You have come so that we might see who God is. We might know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God looks like, not physically, but in character, in love, in care, in concern for this world that without Him is a very dark and hopeless place. So use us, Lord, for your kingdom work And may we be a hope to others, and may we rejoice in the hope that you bring to us. In Jesus' name.